X Talks connects professionals in the life science, medical device, and food industries with useful content like webinars, job openings, articles, and virtual meetings to help you succeed in your career. This food industry-focused podcast brings together some of our editorial staff to share insights into the latest B2B industry news to help keep you up to date. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the X Talks Food Podcast. I'm Sydney Perlmutter, Senior Food Industry Journalist and Webinar Moderator at Xtalks.com, and this week I'm joined by Aisha Rashid, Vera Kovacevic, and Sarah Hand. Thanks for coming today. So I'm going to start us off with a story about the month of January, and more specifically, uh, Veganuary. Uh, now, this year is slated to have the highest participation to date, so I'm just going to talk a little bit about the rise of Veganuary um, and some things that companies are doing to, uh, you know, involve themselves in the event. So... With a new year, for a lot of people comes resolutions, and for some, that might include giving up meat, dairy, and eggs for Veganuary. Some people participate in intermittent fasting, while others try diets like keto or paleo, but those that participate in Veganuary must abstain from all animal products, from food to fashion, for the entire duration of the month of January. And as it approaches a decade since the annual event was launched, was launched, Veganuary 2023 could um, and very well will probably have the highest participation rate to date. So according to a press release from Veganuary, the global pledge to try vegan for January and beyond officially kicked off on Sunday, which was um, a couple weeks ago, January 1st, 2023, with a record-breaking sign-up rate of one person taking up the challenge every 2.4 seconds. Veganuary's press release also noted that its charity now operates official chapters in seven countries and people in every country in the world except for North Korea have taken part in the pledge. So getting into a bit of the rise of Veganuary, it began in 2014 and it only at that point had 3,000 participants. Then a couple years later, by 2017, that number reached 50,000. And then a few years ago in 2020, it uh, skyrocketed to 400,000 signups. And then last year, 630,000 people got involved. So now, Veganuary also counts several celebrities on its list of of ambassadors, including actors and musicians like Alicia Silverstone, Joaquin Phoenix, Billie Eilish, and Paul McCartney, as well as politicians um, like Eric Adams. And while some people are vegan or vegetarian when they opt in, for the most part, participants who sign up uh, to try Veganuary are meat eaters. Now, in 2022, 36% of those who were not vegan before participating decided to stay vegan after taking part. And for those who didn't remain vegan, 74% said they planned to at least half their intake of animal products in the future. Now, to any meat eaters like myself, Veganuary may seem intimidating and restrictive. But thanks to the growing number of plant-based products and recipes, participants have more options than ever. Today, consumers can find vegan alternatives like cheese, chicken, eggs, ham, milk, sausages, and more in many, if not most, grocery stores. And not to mention fast food chains like KFC and McDonald's have more plant-based options than ever in various locations over the world. Now, getting into some companies and restaurants that are, you know, participating in this year's Veganuary, they certainly don't want to miss the opportunity to increase sales and capture customers' attentions throughout the month of January. And, um, you know, these companies, whether they're vegan or, or otherwise, are introducing new products and campaigns for the month of January and beyond. 
One such company is Swiss chocolate maker Lint, which has added Lint classic recipe vegan caramel sea salt bars to its vast lineup of chocolate offerings. Uh, the popular chain Chipotle Mexican Grill has introduced two new vegan lifestyle bowls, one called the Veggie Full Bowl and one called the Plant Powered Bowl. And other restaurants like Cineholic, Rush Bowl, and Blue Saki Sushi Grill are rolling out Veganuary specials and menus. And then there are also companies um, that are vegan, like Field Roast, Sweet Earth, and Light Life, which are offer offering digital coupons and discounts. Now, in the UK, Burger King is launching its Bacon King range this month using Violife's vegan cheese and bacon. McDonald's in the UK and Ireland is also doubling down um, its use of Beyond Meat burgers, serving two patties in its double McPlant offering. Starbucks will be expanding its menu in the UK with new vegan options, including the caramelized macadamia oat latte. And Heinz uh, will also be unveiling plant-based canned beans and sausages and a cream of tomato soup. Now, all of this info um, and beyond, uh, Veganuary USA created a guide to help consumers navigate their vegan journeys and save money. So this includes things like recipes, um, links to coupons, um, and, and just, you know, quotes from people who have participated in the past. Because um, like I said, it, it can seem very intimidating for a meat eater or just someone who's never been on a vegan diet to, to go in for a month. And I know we're already halfway or more than halfway through the month, uh, but I thought it was important to talk about this uh, just because it's come such a long way in the last 10 years. So um, I wanted to ask you all what you think about Veganuary um, and something more specific, um, another specific question, fast food chains, um, you know, do you think that they are really enticing um, or, or appealing to a vegan market? Um, where do you sort of draw the line or, or where do you think uh, motivates people to become vegan? Is it more of like a health thing or do you think it's more of a sustainability thing? Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on this? Um, in, to answer like your last question that really like stuck to me, um, especially because when I was on the Veganuary website, they said that, you know, we don't provide medical advice, like you have to talk to a healthcare professional. Um, so I personally don't think people jump to do it for like a dietary or health reason, especially because it could be so challenging to like navigate this whole vegan lifestyle while making sure like you're meeting all the nutrition you need to have. So I think that's like a challenge for people in a way. Um, so I don't think, at least from my perspective, I don't think most people are doing it for like um, health reasons, just because it could be like that there is that initial learning curve, right? Like, what am I supposed to eat to make sure I'm getting all my nutrition? And that takes time to learn, right? Um, so I think a lot of people are doing it for like a sustainability reason, like to help the environment um, and so on. At least when I went on their website and I clicked on the ambassadors, the first one was the actor. Um, how do you say his last name? What? Like, who? Oh, who which one? The, the actor... Um, Joaquin, sorry. Oh, oh Joaquin. Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, so I, sorry, I can't pronounce his name. Um, so yes, him. Um, he said it was like for the planet and the environment. Like that's why he's doing it. So mm -hmm. just coming off of that, it seems like um, a lot of people are interested in in trying to go vegan for that mm -hmm. reason. Mm -hmm. That is an interesting question, though. Like vegans, are they? Yeah, doing it because of the um, ethical component, you know, of 
not mm-hmm. having animals in their diet, sustainability or, or health. And we, I don't know. I think we always think um, they're much more health conscious than let's say the average consumer, but is that really the case? Like, is that, you know, do they not enjoy their Oreos and like their junk food from time to time? Like, is like, I don't know. I think we have this perception that may be a misconception that all vegans are super healthy and they're vegan because they're just like very health conscious, but you know what, there might be a market for them, like within the fast food sector, maybe they, maybe they're not all like crazy health, you know, conscious, health conscious, um, not to say that like they, they aren't, but I, I think it'd be interesting to know. And I think, um, for fast food chains to sort of get in on this veganuary and maybe even introduce like it as a long-term thing um, to have more vegan or vegetarian options. I think it, it'll only be uh, ben- beneficial because um, there are so many different types of diets and people um, opting to, you know, be flexitarian or, or even for someone like myself who is a meat eater, but sometimes it's just like, oh, I think I'm a bit meet it out this week. Let me, I want to try something or have something vegetarian. So I think, um, and I, you know, going to fast food chains, well, yeah, I do go, but it's, it's, it's kind of annoying that like the, uh, the vegetarian options are limited. So I think this is a good chance and uh, a good thing for fast food chains to get in on. Yeah. And I, I think coming back to this point of, you know, why do people choose to be vegan? I think, Different people do have different reasons, whether it's environmental reasons or animal welfare reasons or health reasons. Um, but interestingly, I think when it comes to this idea of uh, veganuary, I, I think there's like, um, because it's the beginning of the year and there's all this around <laughs> New Year's resolutions. resolutions yeah. yeah, I think there's a level of like atonement for s- things that you've done you've overindulged in December around the holidays you know there's also dry January for people Mm -hmm. who want to abstain from any sort of alcoholic beverages for the whole month um that's the same sort of feeling I get from Mm -hmm. this uh and so I think it's really smart that um you know fast food companies and other other food companies are kind of piggybacking on top of this um, I would be really interested interested to know, and I don't know if you've come across any data on this, Sydney, how many participants continue on with the vegan lifestyle past January. I'm assuming it's not, you know, a ton because this is sort of like a monthly challenge. But um, yeah, does the does the the nonprofit that's organizing this kind of track that? Yeah, so I I mentioned that last year, um, 36% of those who weren't vegan before participating decided to stay vegan after taking part. Now, I don't know for how long they decided to stay vegan because I don't know if they tracked all the way up until, you know, this year. Um, But that is what they they said, uh, the charity said, um, you know, in the most recent press release. And I I thought that was a pretty large amount of out of 630,000 people, 36% of them stayed vegan at least beyond January uh mm -hmm. and then and then for those that didn't um they also said that 74% said that they plan to eat at least 
said that they plan to at least half their intake of animal products in the future. So regard, I guess, you know, any participant um, kind of either changed their ways um, beyond the month or or got ideas and looked at things differently um, also beyond the month of, of January. But I totally agree with you. It it, it feels like, um, and in, in not uh, a, like a, I don't think they're trying to shame you way, but in a way of like, yeah, you, you really shouldn't be eating uh, animal products. So why don't you just try not to for this month and, and maybe you will continue not to. You're totally right. It's I don't find it to be a passive aggressive, but it definitely has a, a bit of that tone just, just based off of the time of year and the like culture of New Year's resolutions. I, I definitely agree with that. If and anything, it's, it's a bit... Sorry, gimmicky, no, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what? They're piggybacking on all of the other kinds of things that a new year yeah. brings. And people are willing to try new things in a new year in January. Um, yeah, I think... Um, yeah, I think this uh, this is appealing as well to someone who might be on the fence about trying a vegan lifestyle, but doesn't want to commit to it. There's like a sense of um, accountability, like group accountability with all of these other people doing it. There's kind of celebrity culture involved there. Um, and I would also think, you know, there's a social media element to this as well. Like you're going to post that you're participating in this. And so there's also kind of like a not performative, but um, there's that element to it as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and to give credit to, to Veganuary, I mean, they do provide so many resources for people to um to to get started and to keep them going which which i do appreciate like it's it's not like you're on your own just do it like they they do provide a lot of resources um and you know at the end of the day everyone has the choice whether they want to participate or not um so you know it's 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 nice in that way like yeah they're not being so um aggressive about it um but yeah i mean it it's It'll be, I'll revisit this again next year and I'll see if maybe that number went up or if it stayed the same or if it went down. Um, yeah, because, you know, this year is, is supposed to have the most participants to date. So we'll see if that number, you know, goes up next year. Just add one more point too. I wonder how the like big meat producers sort of <laughs> the weather <laughs> this time as well. Uh, although they've been getting into the the meat alternative space as well, investing in in some of those um, you know beyond meat and that mm -hmm. sort of thing. I wonder if they just lay low for the month of January, <laughs> or if they do anything to try and counter. And uh, I'm sure sales are still you know fine. I'm sure it doesn't mm -hmm. impact their bottom line that much. Um, but that would be kind of interesting to see, especially as this, you know, has risen over the years. It's almost been 10 years now of this uh, January and, and the numbers have been going up every year. So I'm sure they're paying attention to it, but whether or not they're kind of, I don't know, doing anything about it yet is uh, would be interesting to see. Yeah, that's that's I didn't even think about that. And I, you know, by the same token, dairy and egg producers as well. They're they're just as much excluded from this, you could say. Um yeah, I mean, what we've talked about in the past is a lot of meat producers that have gotten into the plant-based space haven't necessarily found um, as much success as they were hoping to find, whether it's just because there's so much competition already or whether, you know, it's because people don't trust them because they're they're coming from a meat 
dominant space um they don't they don't tend to have as much success um that's not to say that they can't you know do things differently uh to be more sustainable um but yeah i think largely the spaces are are totally different and even though the plant-based space in a way usually is trying to mock or copy or you know uh like yeah copy um the the like traditional meat industry i think they still very much want to differentiate themselves um from a from a sustainability perspective um because we've also talked about the fact that they're not as healthy as we think they are a lot of meat alternatives right they're full of preservatives and and additives and and flavorings and and unnatural you know ingredients so yeah there's there's so many advantages and disadvantages to both um and veganuary is an interesting you know thing uh because does it really like reign supreme it's it's like a it's a much broader question obviously but you know is it truly better to be vegan than not um and obviously on an individual basis it's everyone will have a different answer but it's a good it's it's something interesting to think about um you know for our personal diets and, and just the future of the planet as well like is it truly better all right well moving on a um, little bit of a more disappointing story um, about an ongoing egg shortage that we're experiencing in in the us and and all around the world so last year it kind of became a new normal for for consumers to experience rising food prices and and food shortages um, whether it be uh, baby formula coffee turkey and other staple foods um, that experienced and and still are experiencing long-standing shortages and unfortunately this new year has brought with it some new challenges including this egg shortage and with it soaring egg prices so why is this going on Simply uh, put, there's an egg shortage due to an unprecedented outbreak of highly pathogenic avian influenza, or HPAI, also known as bird flu, and that has killed tens of millions of egg-laying chickens nationwide. Now, the outbreak was first detected last February, so pretty much almost a year ago, um, and it's killed, unfortunately, more than 57 million birds um, in hundreds of commercial and backyard flocks, um, according to the USDA. Now, this strain of avian flu is highly contagious, and it kills 90 to 100 percent of chickens within 48 hours if exposed to the virus. So not only is that really, really, you know, um, contagious, but it's quick as well. And because of its virulence, health officials have had to preemptively slaughter millions of birds. And now this bird flu was also responsible for driving up turkey prices and causing a turkey shortage ahead of last year's Thanksgiving. Besides the avian flu, the industry has been affected by increased production costs that include feeding hens, which depends mainly on the costs of soya and corn. And feeding hens is now at least 50% more expensive than it was in past years, and energy prices have soared in the same way that consumers have seen their domestic bills rise. And meanwhile, some states have been hit harder by the egg shortage than others. So in Colorado, egg production fell to about one third of its annual amount in and Weld County, Colorado, saw its entire commercial egg flock wiped out last year. And California was also affected in part due to its reliance on millions of cage-free chickens to comply with Proposition 12, which was the animal uh, welfare initiative um, of 2018 that took effect last year in 2022. Now, in Europe, there was a 3% egg production decline also, according to the French National Committee for the Egg, Pro for the egg Promotion. 
Now, this egg shortage, like I said, brings with it soaring egg costs, meaning that consumers are going to be shelling out more for eggs at the grocery store at the moment. So a report from the Bureau of Labor Statistics claims that the price of eggs has jumped 49.1% in the span of about a year, and that's much higher than the 12% rise in overall food prices due to things like inflation. Now, egg prices have risen in almost all states, with some states seeing egg prices tripling over the past year. So in California, for example, the average retail price for a dozen large eggs recently jumped to $737, up from $483 at the beginning of December, and just $235 at the time last year, and this was according to the Los Angeles Times. And elsewhere, consumers are also scrambling to find cheaper eggs. In Washington, um, Seattle specifically, the average cost of a dozen large grade A eggs more than doubled to five, uh, sorry, to three fifty nine in November, from up from uh, one seventy two at the time last year, according to the Seattle Times. And Midwest Farms grade A large eggs, which are considered the benchmark for eggs sold in their shells, hit 546 per dozen, up from 170 the same time in the previous year. So even while uh, prices have soared, egg sales have only declined by about 2% by unit in retail uh, in the year through to December 4th, 2022, um, according to data from market research firm IRI. Now, consumers have been accepting these high prices um, at the grocery store as they pull back on restaurant visits. And even though eggs have gotten more expensive, they still cost less than other proteins. So while egg farmers were forced to learn these hard lessons when it came to managing bird flu, um, they're much better prepared uh, for dealing with outbreaks than in the past. And as such, egg farmers are recovering more quickly from having a flock called and a facility decontaminated. And while it's unclear when the egg shortage will come to an end, prices have reportedly started to trend down now that the holiday season is over. And egg production will eventually adjust in response to the bird flu, uh, though bird flu may never be completely eradicated from the U.S. poultry population. Now, as as different as it is and, and, you know, and as devastating as it is, you know, birds and chickens, they kind of they have their own covid going on and and not to compare the two because it's so different. But um, and and it's affecting us as well. But it's it's really shocking um, because as consumers, like we, we do see the higher prices, but I'm sure many don't know why there's an egg shortage and why it's going up. And I like me personally, when I do find out the reason I I. I feel badly. I feel sad and I I don't feel angry about it. It's not something that like who's who can we really blame for this? It's it's hard to place the blame on it. All all we can do is hope that um you know this this virus will will go down and and not necessarily be eradicated, but less birds will be affected by it. Um and in the meantime, we're sort of just biting the bullet and paying the price. But I was wondering like do, do you like where do we place blame on this? Um and and do you think that um there could have been more done to prevent this sort of outbreak? Um you know, whether it be from from food safety organizations, the FDA, the USDA, like who can, who can we really blame for this? Or do you place blame um, on anyone or, or any agency? Well, it sounds like it, it didn't discriminate based on uh, the conditions in which the chickens were kept. So you were saying in California, mm-hmm. um, where they have, it's more of like a free range kind of situation there, um, they were affected just the same. I think it would be much easier to um, 
point towards, you know, animal welfare issues, if this was largely affecting those chickens that were kept in smaller cages or in states where they have more lax, you know, laws on this kind of thing. Uh, but I think the fact that it's affecting, you know, all of these farmers so greatly, you're right, Sydney, there isn't really anybody to sort of um, blame. And I, I think putting the price increase into context in this way is very helpful because um, otherwise, you're right, if consumers didn't know about this, uh, just seeing the cost of eggs go up, you would have thought, oh, just another thing and you know another thing that's that's fallen um to inflation and and because everything has gone up so i think it is important to see the context here and to go back to you know where is this food actually coming from and, and what's the reason for the price increase mm -hmm. it's kind of like finding out the cause of a you know of a uh, traffic jam or something um we, we it's it's easy to get frustrated in the moment um but you know once we find out the reasoning you know we we come back down to earth a little bit and, and we have that like sympathy um and, and we just accept you know things for what they are um if i had to make a comparison sort of but um yeah anyone else have any thoughts on this yeah i think the messaging around all of these um <laughs> like uh things such as the egg shortage and also comes to mind uh the lettuce shortage as well so mm -hmm. you know the initial reaction is oh yeah like how you know sarah you were saying oh it's inflation and then like that's followed by like anger and you know it's like at these greedy corporations <laughs> who are making like billions of dollars even during a pandemic but yeah, once you learn about the root cause, like even for lettuce, apparently um, crops were affected by a virus. And so that wiped out um, so much out in California. And so that's why we've also experienced lettuce shortages. And um, I think I was watching, I saw a clip from Cardi B, uh, of course, social media on social media, and she was uh, ranting about lettuce prices and egg, and egg prices as well, and I mean, kudos to her for bringing attention to the to the issue and being like, you know, well, okay, even though I'm rich and a celebrity, but like I feel for you know middle class and lower class people and stuff like that. And it's still important to to you know be aware of um, rising food prices. But again, like she didn't know the root cause, and I think the average consumer doesn't know either. And I think the messaging has to be clear um, around that so that people don't you know prematurely come to conclusions and you know um, become angry at producers or just uh, what's going on. So I think that they've, I, I don't know who would be responsible for this, but uh, the messaging has been very poor or there's been a lack thereof. So, um, so really there's no one to blame in these situations. Um, I think it's uh, something out of, out of our control really, but of course this will, you know, probably prompt producers to, uh, be more vigilant in terms of uh, quality control and just trying to mitigate uh, these kinds of issues in terms of infections and um, that are wiping out their crops. And um, um, in this case for eggs, uh, the chickens that are becoming infected. So, yeah. Does anyone know why the lettuce, why lettuce increased in price? I heard yeah. about that too, but I'm not sure why. Viral infection. So there's a <gasps> virus that, that infected uh, crops out mainly in mm. California. Oh, okay. So you see, like, you know, I didn't even know I had to like, look it up. Like, yeah, I, I just don't understand why that should be a part of a new a news report in terms of why this is happening. 
So, or maybe yeah. it's just not clear enough. I'm not, I don't know. A, a lot of shortages, um, like coffee, for example, like coffee crops um, and, and many crops for, for that matter, rely on sort of a stable um, environment when it comes to the weather and, and major storms and, and weather events can really throw off production, right? And these are things that are completely out of our control, um, at least on the individual level. I mean, down the line, if, if, if climate change is more in, if we get it in check, maybe these things will happen less often, but we, we, we can't think that way at the moment. Like we, we, we can't control these things right now. So, and, and I would consider this shortage of, of eggs beyond our control as well. There are just so many factors that, that went into this and, um, yeah, we, we can't really place the blame on one person institution the chickens themselves like they it's if it was up to them you know i know they want to be alive too every like, hen should have more than one egg a social day. distancing <laughs> and masks right now that you know what um that brings to question like breeding practices and practices of mm-hmm. how chickens are reared and how eggs are produced in the industry so that mm. there is some onus there right as well so and and here's here's the here's are completely me, off the hook. You're you're totally right, and I'm I'm just gonna point out like a, a negative thing though. If if there truly were like perfect practices where the chickens were treated like princesses, the eggs would be just as expensive, if not more. So it's it's kind yeah, of sad. You like have to the, pay a premium. Yeah, you, you probably would have to pay a premium, and now we're paying a premium because there's less of them. But in a perfect world with perfect chickens and perfect producers, we'd still probably have to pay more, and perhaps we'd be okay with paying more when it's a positive for a positive reason rather than now for a negative reason. So. Um, Maybe it's maybe it's we're sort of preparing consumers for eventual higher prices if it means, um, you know, better practices. But yeah, I mean, like I, I was telling you guys, I don't really buy eggs, but you were mentioning that you have noticed a price increase as well. And um, I'm, I'm glad to bring forward, you know, the reason that this is happening. And um, I'll continue to talk about f- future shortages. I'm sure they're they're not going away anytime soon. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. It's it's good to know the reason behind these shortages. And, and I don't really know who, again, who's responsible for getting that message out. Um, but I'm happy to do it on a micro level here with you guys. So thank you so much for of that. Course. Yeah, mm-hmm. Of course. Well, I would say that um, people who are, you know, don't want to spend that much on eggs at the moment could try out the Veganuary thing. <laughs> there you go. But it's all connected. On, yeah. yeah. <laughs> depending go. on Full what circle. kind of vegan food you're buying. I mean, if you're buying staples and, and, and making a lot of your yeah, own Yeah, those food, aren't cheap. Yeah, you can maybe save some money if you're just buying, you know, vegetables and things like that. But um, some of the more processed, you know, vegan foods and meat alternatives and yeah, yeah, things like that can really add up. So um, not sure that's the best way to to save money if somebody (laughs) was looking at that as an option. Seems to be no winning, but we'll get out of it. Yeah, hopefully better news next week. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the end of this episode of the X Talks Food Podcast. If you like today's show, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, everyone, and see you next week. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the X Talks Food Industry Podcast. If you enjoyed our discussions today, please share the episode with your friends and colleagues, and be sure to subscribe in order to be notified when a new episode is released. To join in on the discussion, you can find X Talks on social media email podcast at xtalks.com 
or comment on the articles directly. Links are in the show description. Take a moment to join our community at xtalks.com to get access to everything we have to offer, including webinars, job listings, virtual meetings, articles, and more. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the speakers sharing them. They should not be taken as professional advice and do not necessarily reflect the policy or position Honeycomb Worldwide. For further information, email us at podcast at xtalks.com. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week.